Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to my YouTube channel. My name is John Campia, and this is a companion video. Now, what are companion videos? Well, I'm awfully glad that you asked. See, every day on the John Campia Show, Monday through Friday, we take the second half of the show to take your live comments and questions. However, usually we don't have enough time to get through all the live comments and questions that get sent in. But if you sent in those comments and questions and supported our channel using the tip link to do it, I want to make sure you get your questions answered in as timely a fashion as possible. So we gather up those unused questions and we address them here directly on companion videos. And that is what we are going to do here today. Today, by the way, is uh, Tuesday, March the 2nd. Uh, that's when we're recording this, two days away, well, two and a half days away from the final episode of WandaVision. I'm very excited about that, but let's not waste any time and let's get right into it, shall we? We're going to get things started off here with the Greek God who writes, Hey, John, I've been watching your show since the AMC days, but first time writing in. Well, thank you for writing in, man. Uh, my question is, who do you believe has had the more loss in the MCU, Thor or Wanda? The Greek God sends his OPA. You know, it's funny. Somebody else wrote in not long ago and asked that same question. Here's what I said before, and, and I still believe this. Wanda's life is the more tragic tale. Now, yes, Thor has had a lot of loss. He has. You know, uh, his sister turned on him. Uh, his father died. His mother was murdered. His world was destroyed. I mean, he lost his eye, uh, his best friend, a lot of tragedy, but in the life of Thor, there's also been a lot of love, family, celebration, victories, triumphs, all that kind of stuff. He's had a wonderful existence. Yes, there were, there was tragedy along the way as well, but overall, his existence over the centuries has been fantastic. It's good to be Thor. Wanda, however, her entire life has been with, with the odd little footnote of momentary happiness. Her entire life has been defined by tragedy. From being a very young child, losing her parents in a horrific, violent way. Uh, like the, the whole thing with Hydra, losing her brother, uh, kind of being adrift, like... When you kind of compare them to me, the definite more tragic story is definitely that of Wanda Maximoff. So that's kind of the way I interpret it anyway. All right, next up. Uh, Spanky writes, one of three. Uh, every since, probably meant ever since, ever since the 1940s, Superman has been portrayed in the comics on television and in the movies as a white male. That's actually factually untrue. There was, oh, I want to say Calvin, but I don't think it was Calvin. Uh, something Ellis. There, there is in the comics actually a black Superman in the comics. Uh, at any rate, that's neither here nor there. Uh, in the movies, is a white male. Although that's factually untrue, he has been portrayed as a black male. He is an alien from Krypton, sure, but that doesn't mean that the color of his skin isn't important. Oh, it's absolutely not important. You're, you're going to have to make a really good argument why this color of his skin is important. But at any rate, changing that character to a black character, no matter who is writing the script, is wrong. You're going to have to justify that statement. You're going to have to back that up. You can't just say it's wrong. You're going to have to back up why that's wrong. Make a solid argument. Why is that wrong? At any rate, it would be just like creating an alternate version of Black Panther. No, it would not. Uh, and... Uh, that was white. And don't say that Black Panther being black is central to the character because it isn't. Oh, Spanky, that's that's a pretty ridiculous thing to say. And I'll explain. Well, let's get to your uh, three of three. There are lots of Africans that are white. Okay. There is so much wrong with everything you just wrote <laughs> that, okay, we'll start with, no, there is ex at least one significant example of a black Superman in the comics. They have done that before. Number two, 
uh, he, I'm sorry, but the bottom line is, is that Kellel is not white. He's not a Caucasian. He is an alien organism. He's not even a human being. Now, the pigmentation of his skin has traditionally been uh, depicted as looking like a white Caucasian male, sure. But you made an, an, an assertion in your home thing. Let me get it because I want to make sure I read it right. You said the color of his skin is important. No, it's not. Tell me one way in which this alien organism, Kal-El of Krypton, a completely different world, tell me how the pig pigmentation of his skin is important. You, Because you, he gave nothing in your message telling me why. The only thing you've come at me, and this is generally what I usually hear. The only argument I ever usually hear is because that's the way it's always been done. And number one, it's not the way it's always been done. But yeah, for the most part, that's true. I mean, it, for the most part, that's how it's been done. But that's how it's been done is not a val valid argument no matter what debate you're having. Just because that's the way it was. There is no reason why Kal-El of Krypton needs to look like he's Caucasian. There's no valid, solid, definitive argument as to why other than, well, that's what they've always done. Well, yeah. Well, you could say the same thing about the wild card and, and like they never had the wild card. Now they do. That made football great. I mean, it made the playoff races more exciting. But you can't just say it because that's the way it's always been done. I mean, hey, banks used to be allowed to uh, turn down gay people for mortgages simply if they find out they're gay. Well, that's the way it's always been done. Well, that's not a good enough reason. That's the way it's always been done is not a legitimate reason. However, let's go to the most ridiculous statement you made. And I say this in love as a fellow film fan brother, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to point out this is ridiculous. Suggesting that the same thing is the same as Black Panther. Let's bring this up here. Um, uh, don't say, where is it? Don't say the Black Panther being a black is central to the character because it isn't. There are lots of white Africans that are white. Okay, here's the thing. Then you don't know anything about Wakanda. Wakanda is a tribal black nation. That's what Wakanda is. You see, you change the color. Now, by the way, let me be very, very clear. I'm a bit of a traditionalist, right? So if I were the producer of a new Superman movie, I would probably lean more traditionalist. I would probably go with a white Superman because that's just kind of, while there are examples of a black Superman being done, to me, it's a little bit more traditional to go white. So I would probably go that way if it was me. But it wouldn't be because of any hardcore conviction, because that's just an agenda. Not because of a hardcore condition. I would just yeah, I'd probably do it that way because that's kind of traditionally the way it's done. So that's what I would do. But there's no real argument to not do it another way. Now, with the Wakanda thing, you're, what you're suggesting and why it's ludicrous is you change the color of Clark's skin, of Kal-El's skin. It doesn't affect anything else. Ma and Pa Kent can still be white, thanks to the white farmers there who adopted a son. Now, the one thing you would have to change, admittedly, the one part you would have to change about the story of Superman is that it would have to be known that Clark was adopted, right? That is the one fundamental change. That So that is a very practical, fundamental change that would have to happen. Now, we all know that Clark is adopted, so that's not even a change of the story. But it's the other people in Smallville would have to know that Clark was adopted. That is a minor change, considering Clark 
already is adopted. Uh, it's not like we have to change that, but that is the one change there. Other than that, it doesn't change anything about anything. It doesn't change anything about the character of Kal-El. It doesn't change anything about his origins. It doesn't change anything about why Jor-El sent him to Earth in the first place. It doesn't change anything about his power set. It doesn't change anything about his ethics and morals. It doesn't change anything about his Boy Scout persona. It doesn't change anything. And nor does it change anything about other characters around him. You change, if you want to change Black Panther to white, now you have to change everything. You have to change the fundamental understanding of Wakanda itself. You have to change the fundamental context in which Black Panther and T'Challa comes out at. Now you can't just say that Black Panther is white. You have to change the entire understanding of what the entire nation of Wakanda is. So, no, it's utterly ridiculous. It is utterly ridiculous for you to try to compare the two situations. Now, look, when you look at situations like, to me, Changing gender or race of a character, as long as the gender and the race of the character isn't core and essential to our understanding the very fabric of what that character is, I'm all for it. So look, there was a little bit of a controversy when they cast someone who was white to play the ancient one in Doctor Strange, right? For me, and when I was asked about it, I said, look, I have no problem with it. Because yes, traditionally, ancient one has kind of been portrayed a certain way. But really, when you think about it, all the core essential elements that make up who the Ancient One is, you can say it's somebody who's white. Hell, you can say it's somebody who's white and a woman. I mean, th those traits still apply. So I had personally no problem with them portraying uh, the Ancient One the way they did in Doctor Strange. Nick Fury, traditionally, prior to them, you know, uh, Samuel L. Jacksonizing Nick Fury in the comics, traditionally, Nick Fury had been a white character, very David Hasselhoff. But nothing about Nick Fury being white was important to the character of Nick Fury. I believe there are some exceptions to other characters, but very few. Black Panther is an obvious one. Like, if you don't understand how fundamentally you change everything about Black Panther and his story and his context, if you change his race, then I don't know how to help you. Uh, another one is Batman. Now, I used to be okay with the idea if they wanted to make a black Batman, I used to be okay with that idea. But honestly, the more I thought about it, Batman, I think Batman being Caucasian is actually pretty important because somebody explained this to me once and I, I started to see it. Because when you understand the background that Bruce Wayne comes from, incredible wealth, great privilege, out of the era he came out of, and essentially, a kid who grew up with all the white privilege in the world. I actually think that's pretty important to understand about Bruce Wayne and the dichotomy of the Bruce Wayne from the Batman. I think that's actually fairly important. So I would I would have the debate with somebody about, I think it's rather important to the character to keep Batman white. I think it's absolutely important to keep Black Panther, uh, Black Panther black. And there's probably some other exceptions as well. Luke Cage might be another good one when you understand the whole context of who and what his character is about and what he represents. But there's not a lot of other ones. I mean, honestly, there's not a lot of characters to me that you can convince me that their ethnicity is key and essential to who and what they are. And for you to suggest that it is important that Kal-El be white, well, then you're going to have to justify that. Because honestly, if it really doesn't matter, then you can make him white, great, which they normally do, or you can tell a story in one where he's black.
doesn't matter. But if you want to insist that it's vitally important that he stay white, you're going to have to make a case that goes beyond, well, that's just the way they've usually done it. You're going to have to come up with a case to tell me why it's so vitally important to our fundamental understanding of who and what Kal-El is that he be Caucasian. Because he's an alien entity and his color has no impact on the core essential identities of who and what Superman is. So, yeah, no, I, I think, honestly, you have to have an agenda to be against the idea. Now, look, if it was up to me, yeah, I would go the more traditional route. I would make him white. But I also understand it's not really that important. So if somebody wants to give a go at it and make him black, go ahead and give a go at it and make him black. And guess what? There will be future supermen that get made white again. And then maybe it's someday we'll have an Asian Superman, whatever. It's cool. It's all good. I guess my question becomes, why are you so against it? Why are you so against it? What is it that strikes at an insecurity in you that you get so riled up at the idea that this character whose skin color is not important to the character has a different skin color? I, whatever. I mean, I'd make him white, but I'm fine if they want to make him black. Anyway, that's just kind of my take on it. So there's that. All right, next up, we move on to Justin M. who writes, Someone may have pointed this out already. But I rewatched the recent episode of WandaVision and realized Hayward said they've taken Vision apart and put him back. This has come up like a thousand times in the last two or three days. Uh, put him back together again a million times. That explains how sorry to put him back together again in just a couple of weeks. Yep. I Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. As I said before, with the other 20 times that that came in. Yes, that's absolutely true. Uh, but again, it doesn't kind of explain right. Wait a minute. Look, that thing's sparky red. It would take them years of study to understand the energy, the residual energy of hex magic and how we could possibly plug that in to a mechanism as a power source and blah, blah. But whatever, I get it. Comic book material. We just have to have some suspension of disbelief. I get it. So that's fine. Anyway, thanks for that, Justin. Next up, Ryan Loner writes, so many people are saying Blue Marvel will be the big cameo. Yeah, a bunch of people are which I don't buy just because it might as well be followed by Korath saying, who? Uh, even I, someone involved enough with Marvel that I uh, that I'm, I make an appearance in Slugfest and never heard of the guy. Well, here's the thing, uh, though, Ryan. I think there was a very valid theory out there that Blue Marvel or Brashear would show up. But that, that doesn't necessarily mean he had to be the big cameo, right? But... The idea of Brashear or Blue Marvel showing up, that had narrative function because in the comics, which again, the comics are the comics, the shows are the shows, you know, they're two different things. But, you know, in the comics, uh, Blue Marvel um, is an engineer. Now, granted, technically he's an electrical engineer, but that's a small change they can make. And he's completely connected to the Monica Rambeau character because they dated in the comics. So maybe he wasn't, was never going to be the big stunning cameo, but him appearing as one of those characters, I mean, that was a valid theory. That was a, a valid theory that I think that a lot of people had. So it was, it was cool on that level. But yes, I don't think you could ever qualify Blue Marvel, which you're right, most people had never even heard of showing up, uh, would have been odd. <laughs> I mean, nobody would know who they are. So you're absolutely right about that. All right, next up. Uh, we've got uh, Key Lime Killer writes, 
Uh, just saw Nomadland. So good. Uh, and I enjoyed it. I have to say my favorite scene was in Furnace walking past a movie theater and the movie and the movie on the sign is the Avengers. It gave me goosebumps during uh, one of the saddest parts of the movie. I am ready for Eternals. Now, if, if some of you are asking or wondering, what does this have to do with Eternals? The main thing it has to do with the Eternals is that it's being directed uh, Nomadland uh, director is also directing Eternals and that's Chloe Zhao. The two movies are going to be very, very different from each other. <laughs> very like, especially if you watch Nomadland is not like, honestly, you watch Nomadland. You don't think some, the person who directed this is going to direct a big Marvel comic book blockbuster movie. Mm. But as Kevin Feige told me once when I was talking to him about James Gunn, I, I asked Kevin Feige, it's like, what was it about James Gunn doing these smaller little films that made you think he could tell this big blockbuster kind of film in Guardians of the Galaxy. And he just said, because a good storyteller is a good storyteller. Doesn't matter what budget they have, doesn't matter whatever. Somebody who knows how to tell a story with compelling characters, they know how to tell a compelling story with good characters. And it, it's true. So I think that's where I get it. And I agree with you. I'm, I'm starting to look forward to more and more to Eternals for that. I, I am also there with you. All right, next up. Uh, MD writes, regarding WandaVision, I'm on the line of thinking that it's likely too late to bring a big bad, uh, big bad with only one episode to go. But I do think they might pull a Thanos fine. I'll do it myself moment in a post credit scene. If not, it's no biggie to me. Yeah, listen, I, I agree. The longer this series has gone, the less and less likely a Mephisto or a nightmare or whatever shows up. Is it still possible? One of those characters could show up in the finale. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. It is. But I agree with you. I've never really thought either Mephisto or Nightmare would be a part. I, I warmed up to the idea a little bit, but I never crossed the line into saying, okay, I buy into it. But now that we're down to the final episode and one has got to deal with Sword, she's got to deal with the White Vision, she's got to deal with Agatha. Uh, we got to find out what's going on with Mo Monica. We got to get resolution to who is the Evan Peters character. Where the hell is Jimmy Woo? What's going on with Darcy? There's a lot to sum up. In that final episode. So uh, it, maybe it's a post-credit scene. Maybe not. Maybe they'll save the next big baddie in a Black Widow post-credit scene. I don't know. We'll see. All right. Next up. BK Dan writes. Hello, John. Just wanted to say that people look at the DCU as DCU. Uh, they forget the E as in extended. Hence, multiple Supermans as there have been multiple Batmans in the DCU. Now, that's been one of the things that's come up also about the Superman thing. It's like, oh no, if, 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 they do, uh, if they do a black Superman, that means Henry Cavill's out. Well, hold a second. There are a couple of things to consider. Number one, even if they do a white Superman, Henry Cavill could still be out. I mean, so just understand that purely right there. Even if they did a white Superman, Henry Cavill could be out. But even if they don't get Henry Cavill for J.J.'s Superman... That doesn't mean Henry Cavill can't still be Superman in other DC movies. We have multiple Batman, right? We have the Robert Pattinson Batman and Matt Reeves movie coming up, which we're all excited about. But that's in a separate pocket universe outside of everything else, right? That's a different Batman. So you can have multiple Supermen. So I'm, again, I'm not saying Henry Cavill will be back. But what I'm saying is, if you are a Cavill fan like me, don't fret just yet because he might still be the Superman in J.J. Abrams Superman, even if that's looking unlikely. But even if he's not, he could still theoretically be Superman in a couple of other movies. Don't forget those reports that came out, you know, six months ago that he's actually signed up 
to appear as Superman in a couple of other movies that aren't Superman movies. So maybe J.J. does go with a different Superman. But that doesn't mean we aren't still going to get Henry's Superman. Just something to keep in mind. Just something to keep in mind. All right. Thanks for that, BK Dan. Next up, we've got Russ Papia writes. John and Rob, my coworker recently asked me why I care so much about a stupid show. I said it's because I'm an imagination connoisseur, mother blanker. Here's my question. If White Vision walks on into the hex, does he change into the old Vision perhaps? Well, they've got a built-in excuse. There is a theory that I that I have that because remember when Monica came out of the hex, she all of her stuff stayed the way it was inside the hex. A theory I have is is of course when we go back and watch that scene where Wanda throws her out of the hex, she was kind of in a cocoon of Wanda's energy, right? And maybe that protected her. Theoretically speaking, this vision is powered by that same magical energy. If that's the case, then perhaps that this white vision will be protected from going through any sort of a change coming in. That's just a wild talking completely out of my ass theory, but it's something for us to keep our eyes on. Let's see what they do with that. All right, next up. Um, Super Stu writes, Hey, John, in WandaVision, can you see Billy and Tommy surviving outside of the hex unlike Vision? I'm thinking they can since Wanda had the twins through natural birth. There was nothing natural about that birth conception and full nine months coming to term in a day there was nothing natural about that birth uh through natural birth within the hex do you think marvel is setting them up for young avengers thanks and bring on the filthy i don't well it is certainly possible that they are gonna do young avengers i don't think they are but it's it is a total totally possible thing that they do and it's possible they get out of it i still don't think her kids get out i think these things that look like her children, I don't think they're making it out of this show. Now, again, I don't know that, and that's just a theory of mine, but we'll see where they go with it, man. We'll see where they go. Uh, Greg Scott Bailey writes, watched Doctor Strange last night. Uh, you know, I should go back and watch that again. I haven't probably watched it in a year or two. Anyway, uh, don't know if it's because of our hype from WandaVision or what, but I enjoyed it more than ever this run through. Still trying to figure out if uh, figure out its timeline, though. Feel it must be just before Age of Ultron to shortly thereafter. I've not even thought about that, to be honest with you. I, I remember when it came out, there were a bunch of people questioning about when exactly does this happen? Like, because he's on the phone with potential cases and there's some references. I think there was a reference to um, uh, to Rhodey, to Don Cheadle's character. You know, Air Force captain, ruptured, fractured spine all the way up. He says, so, ooh, or, or whatever. Um, so does that mean that takes place after the events of Civil War? Maybe I not really sure. Don't really know. And so I honestly, I haven't given it a lot of thought, so I don't know, but I do want to follow your lead here, Greg, because I do want to go back and watch Dr. Strange again, probably as soon as WandaVision is done. I'll probably go and watch Dr. Strange again, just like you, just to get myself more hyped up. All right. Thanks for that, man. Next up, the Wakanda forever writes, John, you asked for suggestions for the show. The open mic format works the best. Have a five minute opening segment and give your thoughts on the day's headlines. Take one fan submitted main topic, leave the rest of the time for tips, get through them every day. Um, for like to do a daily open mic. I don't know. I, I mean, honestly, like there's, there's a, a little bit more of an ease doing these pre-recorded shows like I'm doing right now. Doing things live is a little more intensive. 
And I don't know if I'd want to add a second daily live show. Now, I, some days I do do two live shows, right? Like on Thursdays, I do the John Campus show and I do the WandaVision pregame show. On Fridays, I do the John Campus show and the WandaVision post-spoiler discussion. Uh, we did that for Mandalorian. Probably we'll do that for Falcon and Winter Soldier. And then maybe some, then a play in chat here and there. But for the most part, um, it's a, it's, it's a little harder to do this. So I don't know if I'd want to add a second one, but it's, a, it's definitely an idea. Thank you for throwing that out there, Wakanda. I appreciate that. Next up, Justin uh, Danford writes, and tips in like $20. Thank you, Justin, for supporting the channel on that level. Agatha is a misdirect. It was not her all along. Well, clearly it wasn't her all along. It was still Wanda did just about everything. Just Agatha was doing some negatively influencing some things behind the scenes. And she is not the shark who feeds on yo magic. I don't know about that. Maybe that shark is a great white vision who is now powered by the magic of the hex itself. He'll be unstoppable in the hex so long as she maintains it. Fake Vision will tell her she must undo the hex for the children, and she'll watch him die yet again. And I think her kids fade away too, despite it all, for the ultimate tragedy. Uh, no more Wanda. She'll say broken, I am the Scarlet Witch. Fuck me, Justin. That's a good theory. That's a good theory. Because you know what? After that last episode, I'm like, oh, okay. Agatha is the, the the shark in the Yo Magic thing feeding on Wanda. But White Vision, Great White Shark, powered by Wanda's magic. I don't I don't see how he drains Wanda, but I, I mean that's an interesting theory. And that since he is powered by that magic, being in the hex, he becomes I mean vision, the real vision is nigh unstoppable as it is. Unless you're able to get a sneak attack on him from behind when he's not expecting it and you drive some alien blade through his back. But other than that, he's like nigh invincible in many ways. But a Wanda magic powered white vision inside an entire atmosphere of Wanda's power. I'll tell you what, man, I hadn't considered that. I, uh, I like it. I'm not saying I'm on board with it, but I do like it. That's some good That's some good uh, deduction there, Justin. I'm going to keep my eyes open for that. Well said. Well done. All right. Justin also writes, oh, I forgot to add my name in 202. No problem. I knew it was you. Oh, well, I'm sure you figured it out. Happy hours remaining until episode nine, everybody. Yeah, where are we at here? So where I'm at right now, it's 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. So 24, 48 plus 7. 48 plus seven. Yeah. So, uh, 55, 55 hours for me as of this recording for me, it's 55 hours until the next episode, the final episode of WandaVision. Anyway, the countdown continues next up. The Wakandan forever writes, I've been loving WandaVision, but one thing bothers me. It's 2021. Why do they have to call him white vision? That's it. I'm outraged. Cancel the show. Boycott Disney. They need to make a petition. The audacity, LOL, lighten up people. Wakanda forever. Well said, man. Well said. Why do they have to call him white vision? Uh, BK Dan writes, Hey John, crazy theory here. WandaVision episode nine ends on a cliffhanger leading into secret episode 10. If you look at the weeks, episode nine drops on three, five episode one, Falcon winter soldier drops on three 19. Uh, what, what a, with that week in between, you mean what's up with that week in between? Um, well, I mean, look at when, when Mandalorian ended, 
right? I mean, look, I know there's been whispers of a secret episode 10 and maybe, I mean, maybe I'm going to go into it with the assumption that there's not, uh, but it's possible. Yeah, it's, it's possible. There could be a secret episode 10, but don't think because there's a, there's a gap in between there. That means anything. There was a gap between the end of Mandalorian and the beginning of WandaVision, right? They, they're leaving gaps in between the shows. I don't believe they always will, but I don't believe they always won't. And I don't think the fact that there is a gap there is any indication, right? Any more that, well, you know, WandaVision doesn't start for a couple more weeks. Maybe there's another episode of Mandalorian to come, right? I, I, I don't think that, that kind of indicates anything. There could still be another episode, maybe, but I don't think that being the gap is proof of that since uh, it's pretty standard. So I'm not worried about that. All right, next up. Now we got Peter uh, Cunnington writes, Ryan, the last dragon comes out on the same day as WandaVision season finale. Uh, do you think this is going to hurt either one of them? Or do you think they sound, uh, they sound have moved? Do you think they should have moved Raya to after WandaVision a week? Also considering Raya is $30 extra. No, it'll have zero impact whatsoever. It'll have absolutely zero impact. These are TV shows that can be watched at any time. And, you know, Raya is going to be there. You don't have to watch it Thursday. You can watch it the next day. Um, you could probably, I think it drops before. I think Raya drops or maybe it just drops right on Friday. Either way, you can watch Raya first and then watch WandaVision, watch WandaVision. Then watch, I mean, it's, it's not like you have to make. Uh, plans to go and check them out. So I think this will, honestly, Peter, I think it'll have absolutely zero impact on anything. I, I really do. All right, next up, Kay Vin writes, Vision on Table was theater for Wanda. After failing four or five years to power Vision, they lure Wanda with fake letter to retirement home from Vision to manipulate, luring her to revive him, then getting lucky uh, with residual magic using Skrull tech to transfer to Vision. Uh, no, no, I don't buy that. I don't buy that at all. Uh, the note was something that was left to Wanda prior to the events of Infinity War and Endgame, right? Because Wanda would have been able to figure out, oh, I just got this note from Vision. Vision who died five years ago. That's a little thing. So that was a note. That was authentic. That was real. That wasn't a lure. Mm. Let me say, I'll be shocked to find out that that was a lure. I think she spontaneously on her own decided to show up there they decided to let her back in. They had no idea she was about to show up. They had no idea she was about to walk in there. Uh, she had been gone for five years. And then out of nowhere, like, I guess it would have been like eight days, nine days earlier, 10 days earlier, the, the unsnapping happens, right? And she's back. So I, I really don't buy, again, I, you know, it's the same th theory. People think, oh, you know, Hayward planned on Wanda shooting down the drone to get her energy, but he would have to be the smartest human being in the world. How could he ever know that the way she was going to take down the drone was with a power blast instead of like throwing a car at it. Plus why on earth would he assume that once she shot down the drone, she would literally pick it up and drag it outside of the hex to drop it at his feet. There's no way he could have known that. So I have a hard time believing that theory. And, and you're not alone in thinking that I mean, there are a lot of people who do, and maybe it'll turn out that you're right, but I just can't buy into it at this point because it just seems even in, in a show about a synthesoid vibranium Android and a magical witch, 
I find that really unbelievable. <laughs> so I know it sounds weird to say, but I find that really unbelievable. But who knows? Maybe we'll find out you're right. We're only 55 hours away from finding out if you're right about that, Kvin. All right, next up. Uh, Kvin also writes, someone did the math on Thor's life. He has it so bad in the MCU. Been around 1,500 years as Guardians live 5,000. In human years, make him 23. Loki, 16. Makes sense now. Lost mom, dad, friends, homeworld, brother, four times in what would be the blink of an eye to him. Uh, Again, yeah, he suffered some tremendous loss. But he also grew up with loving parents as royalty, as a prince of Asgard. With unbelievable godlike powers, having victory after victory in his triumphant life. I mean, that's been the life of Thor. Yeah, he's he's had bumps along the road as well, but his life has been victory after victory, unlike Wanda, whose her entire life has been defined by tragedy. So um, but yes, one of my favorite moments in all the MCU is in uh Endgame when or sorry is in infinity war when you know rocket says to him and what if you're wrong and he says what else do i have to lose i mean that was a powerful moment because he was in that period of his life but let's not forget he also had thousand plus years 1400 and four, uh, 1498 years of glory and love and and privilege and victory and triumphs and achievements uh, he's had a pretty good too. He's had a pretty good. All right, next up. Uh, Rayan writes, in a deleted post, Jamie Foxx said his Electro would look differently in No Way Home. This implies he's not the same in Le- Electro from uh, the Amazing Spider-Man verse. He could be from Raimi-verse. Could Fox and Molina be playing each other's versus Electro and Doc Ock? I think that might be reading too much into it, but it's possible. Look, When we start talking about the MCU, and particularly when we start talking about anything that's multiverse related, what's possible or could happen becomes almost limitless. So when you ask, could Fox and Molina be doing that? Oh, sure. Absolutely. Or they could be playing two completely different versions. So... Yeah, I, I I don't think there's any reason to believe, Ryan, why that's an impossibility. Sure, that's possible. I don't know if it's likely, but is that on the table? It absolutely is on the table. Let's see where they go with it. All right, next up, Meister 25 writes, Saw some people say episode 8 of WandaVision uh, would have been pointless without a post-credit scene. No, you read that right, and I have no words. I just can't anymore, John. I just can't. Okay, well, that's an idiotic thing. That's an idiotic thing. That that story became the emotional anchor of our entire understanding of WandaVision without the post credit scene. Like, that was the best episode of the series. Now, it, you don't have to think it's the best episode of the series. I personally do. But if you think that the only point to that entire episode was that just, ooh, look, White Vision. If you think that's what made the episode important and poignant, then I personally feel like you're missing the entire point of the show. Um, This, to me, long before that little, ooh, look, there's White Vision um, kind of thing, uh, it was already the best episode thing. It was the entire emotional anchor to our fundamental understanding of everything going on in the story. And to me, it was the best episode. But, Jay Meister, it is all subjective. People look at things different ways, and hey, you know, it is what it is, man. All right, next up, uh, we've got AKA Allen Gaming writes, Hey, John, uh, do you think it might be possible that we have the following come 
uh, come the end of episode nine of WandaVision. White Vision says in the comics to the kids the following. Recently, my original body, my original operating system were destroyed. Uh, what you see before you is a new body. This was a very tough scene of the comics. Is he's basically telling the kids, hey, look, I may have the memories of your dad and I may look like your dad, but I'm not your dad. And I'm not your mom's husband. I mean, it was actually a very, very moving moment in the comics. Very heartbreaking. Anyway, what you see before you is a new body and a new mind, a new vision as such. Though I contain the mechanical parts and memories associated with your father, I am no longer your father. You are not my children. Your mother is not my wife. Um, You used to be kind with White Vision's last words, the truth is not kind. If this happens, I'd be like, F you, Kevin Feige. That would be three steps further into the heartbreak we already had in episode eight. Your thoughts. Well, I mean, look, could, again, whenever you ask the question, could something be possible? Of course it's possible, especially when you understand that that was a really moving part in the comics themselves. And they could be leaning towards that. Because remember, even in the hex, the vision that's in the hex right now, that's not those kids' father. He's not even really vision. He's not the real vision. Vision is dead. This is some kind of fantasy recreation of vision who looks like vision, talks like vision, has powers like vision, even thinks he's vision. But he's starting to piece together that he's not. And it could have an ending like that. It could have an ending like that. I, I also think it could have an ending like, you know, him realizing that the hex has to, I like the other theory, the hex has to come down. And in doing so, she has to sacrifice his vision again. But either way, AKA Alan, either way, whether it's by this way or by the other way, I think we're heading for a very Shakespearean tragedy kind of end. And I'm, I'm just looking forward to seeing which way they go with it, man. I truly do. But yeah, is this kind of an ending possible? Absolutely, it's possible. I don't know that I'd say it's likely, but a solid possibility, a very realistic possibility at the same time. All right. Russ Papia writes, John, this $5 tip has nothing to do with WandaVision. I just listened to your calling out of the AMC CEO for accepting three or $4 million in bonus. I too, like you have been rooting on AMC this year, but this was in my opinion, wrong. Thank you for saying it, my bro. And listen, it's again, it's just my point of view. It's just my opinion. And you know, I think the only reason I felt feel as passionately about it is because I am a big fan of AMC because I do have a special place in my heart for AMC because AMC is my favorite movie theater chain. And I have been cheering so hard for them to make it and succeed to see them be lucky enough to survive up to this point and do something as tone deafly stupid as to award almost $4 million in bonuses to a CEO when your industry is barely hanging on for dear life, when your company is barely hanging on for dear life, and when you've furloughed 30,000 employees and you hand out an almost $4 million bonus to your CEO who you already pay $9 million a year, there's something so in, just incredibly uh, tone deaf about that. And it really bothered me. And I know it bothered some of you guys too. Anyway, next up. Uh, Jason H. writes, WandaVision subplot theory. Even though Hayward is doing what he thinks is right throughout the series, including creating White Vision, his, his episode nine actions will be enough to force him to resign and Monica will take over a sword director. What say you? Oh, yeah. But by hook or by crook, I mean, I think even Hayward may die. I think Hayward may die in episode nine. I mean, they've clearly set it up that Monica is the heir apparent to S.W.O.R.D. Her mother was the director of S.W.O.R.D., the founder of S.W.O.R.D., 
all that kind of stuff. She, and even that awkward exchange from the beginning, it kind of felt like had she not been snapped out of existence, she was going to become the next director of sword. That's what it kind of seemed like to me at any rate. One theory I have, and I'm not saying I buy into it completely, but one theory I have is that Hayward created vision, this white vision out of the best of intentions, just like uh, Nick Fury created the helicarriers with the best of intentions. But he's going to find out that this white vision can't be controlled. And pretty soon, I think he's going to have to kind of team up with Monica and Wanda to try to take down this white vision. And in the process, he may die. Now, I'm not saying he will. I'm not saying I'm willing to put any money on this. I'm just saying that's one of the theories, right? But I do, I suspect that this will end with Monica being the new director of S.W.O.R.D. I, I don't know that. It doesn't have to go that way. But whether it's because of something he resigns, something he can't come back from, or just straight up he dies, uh, or he hands it to her and says, you know what? I realize you've you've got all of your mother in you, and I respect her so much, and you need to take over leadership of S.W.O.R.D. Whatever it is, I think there's a very good chance that she does end up at the end of this as the new director of S.W.O.R.D. We'll find out. All right, next up. Jonathan writes, according to uh, Deadpool, Fabian, oh, director of photography, Fabian Wagner, who worked on Justice League, only 10% of Zack's footage was seen in the theatrical cut. Yeah, but that's not true. Uh, meaning 90% of the movie was Whedon's. That is not true. Uh, can we say Snyder Cut is a completely different movie with only the basic narrative? All right. Here's why this is not true. Let me see if I can bring something up here. Uh, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to, but let me try. Okay, so let's go to this. That's fine that that dude said that, right? Said, oh, like only 10% of the movie was his. Okay, all right. But you got to understand this. You can go look this up. Uh, Snyder said uh, Justice League Snyder Cut will have two and a half hours of never before seen stuff. Okay. That's what Zack Snyder says. Zack Snyder says that this Justice League, you didn't see two and a half hours of this Justice League. This is stuff you have not seen. Two and a half hours of it. Okay. All right. Let's do some math. Uh, Justice League Snyder Cut is four hours long. All right. Four hours long. So four hours minus 2.5 hours equals what? 1.5 hours, 1.5 minutes, 1.5 hours, which means if we haven't seen 2.5 hours of it, that means we have seen 1.5 hours of it. It's just, it's just math. If Justice League Snyder Cut is four hours long and Zack Snyder says that two and a half hours of it is stuff we haven't seen yet, that means an hour and a half, that leaves an hour and a half left over, right? Two and a half hours of stuff we haven't seen. So what's the other hour and a half? Stuff we have seen. And if we've seen it, that means it was in Justice League. So yeah, these are, this is the thing. These are what's called uh, uh, two uh, mutually uh, 
exclusive statements, right? Snyder's versus uh, the DP, right? They can't both be true. Both of those statements can't be true. So, I mean, let me see if I can pull this up one second. Uh, there it is. Okay, so, so, uh, let me see if I can get this looking a, a little bit better. There we go. So, for example, Justice League Snyder Cut has 2.5 hours of new footage. Uh, Director Zack Snyder reveals how much new footage is in Justice League Snyder Cut. Two hours and 30 minutes of previously unseen footage. And again, if this thing is four hours long, that leaves an hour and a half. And if it leaves an hour and a half, that is 75% of the two-hour runtime of the theatrical version of Justice League. 10% of the if what the dp is saying is true and says only 10 percent of that was zach's well that means only 12 minutes of it was zach hour and a half versus 12 minutes so where's the discrepancy there how do you explain the discrepancy so i personally if it comes down to believing you know what the dp said who may have just you know he may have just been speaking in hyperbole or whatever the dp may have just been speaking in hyperbole which is a possibility. Um, and if that's the case, then yeah, I, I get it. But, you know, Zack Snyder said that there's two and a half hours of new footage, which means there's an hour and a half of footage that we've already seen. And since Justice League was only two hours and we've seen an hour and a half of it, or I mean, so you see what I mean? There's complicated. So no, I don't believe we can call this a completely new movie. Not in the least. Now, I say that right now, having not seen the Snyder Cut, having not seen this edit, I can't say that for certain, right? Maybe we have a completely different way of looking. I mean, if it turns out that literally only 12 minutes of the Justice League theatrical cut is in, because that would be 10%, 10% of that two-hour movie would be 12 minutes. From the theatrical movie, because remember, Zack Snyder said he's only using stuff in the Snyder Cut from the theatrical that was actually his footage. So if only 12 minutes of the original theatrical version shows up in this new four-hour Justice League, then yeah, we can call it a completely new movie. We can at that point call it a completely new movie. The problem is, though, of course, is that Zack Snyder has publicly said only two and a half hours of this four hour cut hasn't been seen before. So that creates a discrepancy. So we'll see, we'll see how this all kind of works out in the end. Again, I think it's probably just the guy was talking hyperbole, but we'll find out. We will find out soon enough. We won't have to wonder about it for too long. Okay. Next up, uh, Boris writes, Hey, John, I feel like I've seen and heard everything differently on WandaVision. Monica's clothes were still the same after she left the hex, right? But she was in, she was cocooned in, in uh, Wanda's energy when she went through it, through it, but whatever. Vision looked like he was being ripped apart because the hex was keeping him in, not alive. Monica even says, um, Monica says those kids are real. Yeah, but she wouldn't know. Let, let's just be clear. She wouldn't know. To her, everything in the hex is seems real. But like Vision looks real, but he's not real. But anyway. Real, she didn't know how, but they were. But that's, again, that's just from her perception. Remember, that's just from her perception. Uh, the yellow essence from the stone could even be what's made this version of Vision sentient. Could be. Uh, my theory is unless she reverts it, things will be the same when she drops the veil 
Thanks. Uh, again, we will find out in 55 hours. We will find out in 55 hours. Right now, I do believe that the message here was that uh, Vision cannot exist outside of the hex. He, he simply can't exist outside of the hex. That's where I think the exact message of it was, is that he can't exist outside of it. And remember, I don't think the kids can either. I mean, that's why I wanted to ward them. What was the name of the street? For, for argument's sake, let's just say it was called Main Street. I know it wasn't called Main Street. It was called something. Orchard Street? Okay, for, for argument's sake, let's say it's Orchard Street. It's probably something else. Remember, she goes, don't go past Orchard Street. Yes, Mom, we know we don't go past Orchard Street. Then because she knows those kids can't exist outside of Orchard Street. But I don't know. Like These are just random theories of a fan, just like anybody else. We will find out in 55 hours, my friend. We will find out soon. All right, next up. Um, uh, Bellcross34 writes, Hey, John and Rob. Rob's not here right now. Have you guys seen or heard the theory that Vision could be the first Dark Avenger? Uh, love the show. Keep up the good work. I haven't heard that theory. I don't buy into that theory. I think the, you know... I think Vision doesn't come out of this one way or the other, good or bad, white or not. I don't think he comes out of this. So I haven't really heard the fullness of the theory, but it's probably one I... I mean, listen, I can't say straight up that I wouldn't buy into the theory until I hear somebody totally explain their theory. But, I mean, again, where I'm at right now is I just don't... My theory right now is that he just doesn't get out of this. I don't think I don't think he gets out of this, which is why I think he's referenced as being deceased in Spider-Man Far From Home, which takes place seven months after the events of WandaVision. But again, we will find out soon. We don't have to wonder. We don't have to wonder for long. All right. Alan writes, hey, John, I recently watched Nomad Land. I was impressed with Chloe Zhao. First, the writer, Nomad Land, then the Eternals. In terms of starts to her career, and then don't forget she's doing, like, what was it? Is it a Dracula? I think she's, I think it's Dracula is what she's going to be doing after that. Anyway, and then the Eternals. In terms of starts to their careers, can you think of anybody else who has had a similar start? Uh, hashtag honey mustard over mayo. I, hey, I like a good honey mustard. Don't get me wrong. I do like a good honey mustard, but I prefer mayo. I like dipping my French fries in honey mustard. But whatever, we're getting off on a totally different conversation. Um, yeah, I mean, there there have been a lot of directors. To look, just look at Ben Affleck. If you want to look at him as a director, um, like Gone Baby Gone. I mean, are you kidding me? To the town, to Argo. I mean, yeah, that's so. She is off to a great start. Yeah, I I don't know if I'd say it's in the conversation of the greatest starts of all time. But, I mean, hey, if she can win Best Picture at the Academy Awards, not that I care much about the Academy Awards this year, but if she does, I mean, for her second or third main feature film, that would be pretty impressive, man. That would be pretty damn impressive. And I think it's Dracula she just signed up to do. I think it was Dracula. It's one of the universal things, f films that she's doing after she's, uh, you know, delivered Eternals and all that kind of stuff. All right, next up. Captain Blue Pants writes, People keep saying that Marvel retconned Wanda's powers to make her a mutant. Yeah, I disagree with that. But I disagree. They already hinted her power origin to be ambiguous. In the Winter Soldier post-credit, Strucker specifically calls them miracles as only they survived uh, Only they survived the experiments. Also, Ultron added to the ambiguity saying, I always wondered why only you two survived the experiments. This door was intentionally left open. The MCU characters just surmised... It was all the Mind Stone, not a retcon, just more info. Possibly. I mean, look, if Wanda was actually born a witch, and clearly the stone chose her, I mean, that's at least that's the way I interpreted it at any rate. Like, my interpretation was of that scene, 
because all the other volunteers would go in and walk up to the stone and touch it. She came in the room and the stone came to her. And it, it, it in many ways chose her and I think imbued her with a lot of her power like Captain Marvel was imbued with the other stone's power and showed her a vision of her future self, maybe even her true self. Now, how does Pietro fit into all that? I, I'm not sure, to be honest with you. I, I'm not really clear. I understand how Pietro fits into that right now. Maybe Wanda made it. So he got imbued with some of the stone's power too, and it gave him some superhuman abilities. I mean, I don't know. I don't know yet, but that is something to keep in mind. And, and I like your observation there, Captain Blue Pants. I, I think you're actually right onto something there. All right, next up, Casey McNatt writes, Hey, John, how are you today? I'm doing great. Thank you, Casey. Hong Kong has just announced that Black Widow will be released in their theaters on April 29th. Is this a good sign that Black Widow won't be delayed again? Or do you think Disney will see how Ryan the Last Dragon does? No, no, no. Ryan the Last... Nothing. Here's the thing. Disney is not like you and me. All right? Disney is not like, oh, what are we going to do tomorrow? I don't know. We'll see how things go today. No, Disney plans big chunks in advance. And they're not shaken by what little things happen along the way. You know, unless in talking long-term situations, they already know what they're doing with Black Widow. I, I think there are a lot of good signs. Look, I still believe Black Widow is going to get bumped by like a month. That's just what I think. But there have been a lot of things looking good. Like we see the, the new cases, uh, rates continue to fall. Immunizations are going up. Testing is going up. We're seeing a lot of good things happen. So, hey, listen, it's, it's March two months until like, if we can, if we go two more months seeing continuous dropping in rates and increase in vaccination, all that kind of stuff, maybe it can come out on time. So I will take this as a little bit of a good sign, but I'm not going to get too invested in it quite yet. I'm not going to get too invested in it quite yet, but that's where I think we're at right now, Casey. All right. Next up, an anonymous viewer writes, Hey John, I was in an end game mood. So I watched the movie and then I watched the five hour long end game spoiler discussion that you did with Robert. Um, in the video, I guess this is Sin Vendetta, in the video around the 17-minute mark, you said that you would love to frame a poster of that epic wide shot of Captain America versus Thanos and his army. Was just wondering if you ever did get that shot as a frame poster. Nope, never did. Never did. And I'll frame, I got nowhere to put it. I got nowhere to put it. I mean, I, I can't, like, when you look at the sound panels I have on my wall to prevent room echo, these sand panels, oh my God. This room, this is a converted garage. Uh, this studio was a garage. It was a, a dirty concrete floor, like nasty looking garage. And we had it converted into a studio and it was an echo chamber till we put up these sound panels, but there's really nowhere for me to even hang a poster right now. So no, I never did, but someday, man, someday I'm going to get that turned into a poster. I, I am. Thanks for reminding me of that though. I appreciate that. All right. Next up war doctor 10 writes, Hey, John and crew, other than the orig original, other than the original, comma, which Disney parks have you been to and what is your favorite ride? I've been to none of them. Uh, I've also been to Walt Disney World and Disneyland Paris, and my favorite ride would have to be the Expedition Everest at Animal Kingdom Thoughts. Yep, I've never been to anything other than the original. I've only ever been to the to Disneyland in uh, in Orange County. That's the only one I've ever been to. And my favorite ride is still to this day the Indiana Jones ride. It was my favorite ride before they updated it, and it's still my favorite ride there now. So the the, the uh, Indiana Jones ride is my favorite ride they have. All right. Uh, Ryan Cleary writes, 
Hey, John. Hope you are well. I am well, thank you. Henry Cavill's manager has said big things are coming, but can't elaborate due to NDAs. Yeah, I saw that Instagram post she put up. Uh, what do you think she is referring to? Him remaining a Superman or maybe taking over Bond? Thanks and stay safe. Well, every don't forget, Henry Cavill was, everybody knows Henry Cavill was the runner-up to play Superman in Superman Returns. And the role went to Brandon Routh, who was great. Brandon Routh was great. I, I love Brandon Routh. But a lot of people forget Henry Cavill was also the runner-up to play James Bond to Daniel Craig. And Daniel Craig has become my all-time favorite James Bond. He's great. But I think Henry Cavill would make a magnificent James Bond. Now, as long as they get a good, talented actor in the role of James Bond, I don't care. But if you want to ask me what would I think about Henry Cavill, I think he'd be fantastic. I think he's an excellent, excellent actor. So I don't know. I mean, maybe they're going to be announcing soon that, hey, in this J.J. Abrams Superman, it's a different universe, just like the Robert Pattinson Superman is a different universe. And But Henry Cavill is returning as Superman in this movie and this movie. He's going to be appearing as a secondary character in this movie and this movie. Could be that. Could be the Mass Effect thing they've been talking about. Could be the James Bond thing. There's a lot of things on the table, but those are the, the, the primary options. But you know what it's probably going to end up being? It's probably going to be end up being none of the above. It'll probably really be something we've never thought of or considered yet. I don't know. Maybe he's going to star in a new Star Wars movie. I don't know. Maybe he's going to, I don't know, be in the X-Men. Maybe he's the new Reed Richards. I don't know. Whatever it is, I am looking forward to finding out because, like I said, I am a big fan of Henry Cavill's. All right, next up, we've got Jared Lennon, uh, uh, Leon writes, Gerard Leon writes, you said that you're holding on to the no mutants coming or being created from WandaVision because uh, of your understanding of the X-Men. Then I remember that the ultimate uh, universe in which a good amount of MCU is based on mutants were made unnaturally. True. Yes. But there are so many variants of so many things in the comics. Schnepp said it best. Anything that you can imagine that might have happened in the comics probably happened in the comics at some point. I remember Schnepp saying that once and I was like, that's a great way of putting it. But yeah. Anything that you can even imagine having happened in the comics probably happened in the comics at some point. I mean, a lot of things happen in the comics. There's a lot of things they've done in the comics. That doesn't mean those are things that they would bring over. And they kind of don't jive with the, with the traditional understanding of what those characters are. But remember, my primary reason, and I acknowledge it's possible. I totally acknowledge that it is possible that, you know, even in this final episode of WandaVision, they introduce mutants. It's possible. It absolutely is. The reason I don't buy into it, though, the primary reason why I don't buy into it, again, goes back to the Kevin Feige statement. Kevin Feige said when they got Fox that he has his five-year plan already that included WandaVision. He already has his five-year plan. When his five-year plan is done, then he will bring in X-Men and mutants and all that kind of stuff. That was three years ago. So... We're not there yet. And they very well may do it because Kevin Feige is human and he could have changed his mind. He could have changed his mind. But for now, I just choose to take him at his word until he proves otherwise. So that is my primary, personally, that is my primary reason, Gerard, for still kind of believing that we're, we're not going to see mutants brought into this or, or mentioned or whatever. Again, though, 
Kevin Feige's human might have changed his mind. We're only 55, well, 54 and a half hours away now from finding out for sure. Then all the debate will be done. You know, they'll either mention mutants or they won't, you know, and if they do great, if they don't great, either way, it's going to be fantastic. And I cannot wait to see what they do, Gerard. All right. Thanks for writing that in, man. Next up, James Argenta writes. For the first time in a while, it looks like we are having a normal weekend at the movies. Ryan, the fam, Raya, the family-friendly animated movie, coming to America, the PG, yeah, that's coming next week, right? The PG-13 R-rated comedy, and Chaos Walking, the film, the film, a flop, the studio buried as long as they could. Yeah, I don't have a lot of hope right now. Actually, if I go over and take a look, when is Chaos, uh, Chaos Walking release date? March 5th is when it comes out. March 5th. Yeah, I I don't have a lot of hope for this movie. I don't have a lot. Which would really suck because what does... um, If Chaos Walking sucks the way we all kind of fear it will, that'll be two in a row because like his new movie, Cherry, Tom Holland's new movie, Cherry, directed by the Russo brothers, only has like a 38% on uh on rotten tomatoes right now and i've i haven't watched it yet myself but i've heard from a few other people that they really didn't like it and these are from people who are big russo brother fans big russo brother fans and they didn't like it so man i i hope chaos walking is good but they had to pretty much redo that whole movie because it was unwatchable but we'll see how that goes man we'll see how that goes but yeah ryan the last dragon i quite enjoyed that movie i thought it was quite good now, would I personally pay 30 bucks just to watch it at home? No. Uh, especially like if 30 bucks to have a night out in the real theatrical experience, I might pay that. 30 bucks to just sit at home and watch it when I can watch a thousand other things for free. And when Ride of the Last Dragon is going to just be on Disney Plus in, I don't know, two months for free, I probably wouldn't pay 30 bucks for it. But if you choose to, I can say I think you're going to have a good time. I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was pretty damn good, and, and uh, I hope you guys will enjoy it too. All right, and uh, next up, we've got, was that James? Yes, it was. Uh, Dominic Suma writes, John, big fan. Thank you so much. And I still have my Sons of AMC patch. I still have mine too, man. It's good to know. Uh, gun to Bob Iger's head. He can, okay, gun to Bob Iger, Bob Iger's head. He can only keep one IP for Disney, Marvel or Star Wars. Five years ago, I would have said Star Wars easily, but I but I now honestly do not know which he would pick. Marvel is a behemoth. It's true. Let me say this. I think if Bob Iger, who is, he's not the CEO of Disney anymore, but he's still the highest ranking off. He is still the boss. He's still the chairman of the board. I think right now, if he had to say he had to give up either Star Wars or Marvel, I do think he would land on keeping Marvel. But it would be a tougher decision for him than you might think. Because while right now the hotness is comic book properties and the Marvel Cinematic Universe, no doubt, right now that is the hotness. The thing about Star Wars is Star Wars is still going to be Star Wars 40 years from now. Why? Because it's been around for over 40 years already. Star Wars has maintained, not always at, at the highest peak, but Star Wars has endured for four decades um, as a 
one of the most popular and powerful pop cultural things there is. It's it's been generations, right? It's been generations. Marvel is hot right now. A lot of people keep speculating that I keep laughing at. A lot of people speculating. Any minute now, comic book movie fatigue is going to set in. Any minute, comic book movie fatigue is going to be setting in. Sure, you've been saying that for eight years, but maybe it will at some point. The fact of the matter is, is that the MCU hasn't stood this test of time for like 30 years or 40 years, which we know Star Wars has. Again, even with that being said, I think the choice would be the MCU. All I'm saying is, I don't think it would be it would be as an automatic quick decision as you might think. Bob Iger and Disney is the type of man, the reason he's so successful is because he doesn't think short term. He thinks long term. And because he thinks long term, he knows what he's got in Star Wars. He's pretty sure what he's got in Marvel for the upcoming future. But I mean, it would be a little bit, he would give it some thought. It wouldn't be an instant decision, but I do think that ultimately he would probably land on keeping Marvel right now. I think that's probably the safer bet right now. All right, next up. Uh, Bryce's SOA hug writes, A subtle thing in Wanda's memory is that her father had to go out every day and sell off the tapes that Wanda loved so much to help provide for the family. Wanda's first big experience with not letting go was hoping that her father never sold any of them. I, well, I, it's my interpretation of the scene and i could be wrong my interpretation of the scene was that he wasn't like taking the family's dvds and selling them my interpretation of him was he was constantly getting new ones watch them with his family and then take them out and sell them the way you know what he needed so he got them to sell but would watch them with his family first maybe if i rewatch the episode again and i look for that maybe i'll see that that's not the right way of looking at it but i remember that was my impression of it Right, it's not that he was selling off the family's discs, is that he was bringing them home first before selling them to watch them with the family. At least that's how I interpreted it. I could be completely wrong, Bryce, and you might be right about that. Uh, all right, next up, we've got Ryan Christopher uh, Christopherson who writes, Hey, John or Rob, and Rob and or John, and Aaron and or Job and Kimberly. Uh, long time enjoyer since the AMC days. Thank you, Ryan. Over under 50%. Sam Jackson makes a cameo as Nick Fury in the eventual Deadpool 3 just to finally deliver some glorious Sam Jackson F-bombs as Nick Fury himself. Ooh, I like that. I like that. Question is, does, would, would Marvel and Disney want to pay Sam Jackson just to do that? I'm not sure. I'm going to go under 50%, but not a lot under 50%. So yeah, under 50%. But not a whole hell of a lot under 50%, because that would actually be pretty glorious, Ryan. I think I would eat that up. All right, next up, Captain Blue Pants writes, Whatever writers and directors say but do not show in the film is not canon to me. Eh. Uh, an interpretation or opinion is fine, don't get me wrong, but I don't think we should take it as canon. Either it goes in the film or it will be left open to interpretation. I agree. And a great example of that is what we were talking about on the John Campus show earlier today. Like uh, McFeely and his writing partner, I'm, I'm forgetting his name right now, I'm freezing on it, but McFeely and his writing partner who write, who wrote Avengers, uh, I believe Age of Ultron, I believe they were, anyway, um, that like them and the Russo brothers, the writers of Infinity War and Endgame, and actually, you know what, I'm going to bring this up here, hold on a second, uh, Age of Ultron, IMDB, I just want to, who wrote that? Because I'm pretty sure they didn't write that. Uh, let me see here. I'm pretty sure just Whedon wrote that. Yeah, Whedon wrote that. But anyway, the the writers of Infinity War 
and uh, and Endgame say one thing about a situation, the director, there's been a couple of different interpretations. The directors, the Russo brothers, say a different thing about it. Uh, one of the things in particular was, you know, was Captain, like, was what was the whole nature of Captain America and did he come back through it? Did, did he just stay in that timeline and he appeared here? Because the Russo brothers say something completely different than the writers of the movie say, right? So you're right. I, I think at the end of the day, whatever, because the director can change their minds later on, right? The directors can later on change their minds. We'll never know what was in their minds as they were shooting it or whatever. So I agree with you, man. As much as it's the director's medium, I think at the end of the day, it's what do you show? Don't tell me what your theory was in your head afterwards. What did the movie show? And that's why when people, you know, talk about Wanda had abilities when she was younger, I'm like, well, actually, the WandaVision didn't show that. That was just Agatha theorizing. And maybe Agatha was right. But the show didn't actually show us that. So I, I agree with you on that, Captain Blue Pants. All right, next up, Victor Morov writes, Hey, John, I think when when Vanda, I probably Wanda, when Wanda was with the disassembled vision, this vision was fake. Oh, I think she would have known if it was fake. Was the fake model. That would explain why they were able to build the white vision so quickly. And maybe he wanted to energize this fake model and failed your thoughts. No, I, I think Wanda... With her able, with with her senses, I think Wanda would have known immediately that wasn't actually Vision's body. I think there's a possibility that they just got a whole new bunch of vibranium and made a separate white Vision based on the study of this Vision that was on the table. I mean, they could be two totally different physical things, but I don't think the Vision that was on the table was fake. We, we might find out he was fake in the finale, but for now, at least... My interpretation is, is that body on the table was vision because I think Wanda would have been able to smell it out if it wasn't. That's just my guess. So we'll find out. We'll find out in the next episode if that's true or not. All right. Next up. Uh, that was a Victor. New Avengers writes, hey, John, could they be setting Monica up to be the next leader of the Avengers? Mm, no, I don't think so. To start up a team, bring new members into the group. She may not have her own TV slash movie. Uh, Burr be in others. I don't know what that means. Uh, don't forget she is a captain. Well, yeah, but so's Rhodey. Actually, Rhodey's isn't Rhodey even promoted higher than isn't he a colonel now or something? I, I could be wrong about that. Anyway, um, no, I do not believe they're pulling in a side character in a TV show and then saying that's going to be the new leader of the Avengers. I think she's going to become a prominent member of the MCU, but do I think she's the next up to be the leader of the Avengers? No. She's been gone for five years. She's never been a hero. And now she's back and she's had powers for two minutes and she can be the leader of the Avengers? No, I don't think so. Prominent in the MCU? Yeah. A big role in Captain Marvel 2? I'm guessing. I don't know, but I'm, I'm guessing. But leader of the Avengers? I'm thinking probably not. Probably not. But you never know. They could do crazier things. All right, Matt M. writes, on the potential return of Heimdall, uh, it is possible, but Idris isn't down under strictly for Thor 4, if that is the case. He's been there since November of 2020, along with Tilda Swinton filming George Miller's new movie, 3,000 Years of Longing. You know what? I Somebody else wrote to me or tweeted me that, 
after we'd done the show, and I had totally forgotten about that. So for those of you who don't know, we talked about on the show today that there had been rumors previously that Idris Elba is going to return and make an appearance in Thor 4. I kind of dismissed that. However, in Australia, where they are shooting uh, Thor 4 right now, uh, Chris Evans and Idris Elba were at a mutual friend's party. I think it's uh, I think it's a uh, Hemsworth's assistant or something at this themed party there, and, and Hemsworth and uh, Idris Elba took pictures together, which fueled the thing. Now I don't know that that means he's going to be in Thor four, but it's like it is strange that I heard rumors before that he was going to be in it, which I dismissed, and now we see him down in Australia with Chris Hemsworth, but then somebody was quick to remind me about that, that he was actually down there to film another movie too. Now he could still be there to shoot Thor four, but it does add another question mark on top of it. So you're absolutely right, Matt, to point that out. Thank you for doing that. All right. Next up out of the world writes, hi, John, think of what WandaVision, uh, think what WandaVision is doing well, showing how terrible grief and mental health is actually a disease. I don't know that grief is a disease. Grief can take its toll on us, but I don't think it's a disease. But yes, mental health absolutely is. Uh, what Wanda is doing is terrible. She is also unwell. Good people can do bad things. Spontaneous action, not premeditated. I'm not exempting her. Um, I'm not exempting her. Uh, what the writers have done brilliant is that we, the audience, have somewhat sympathy for a person who has done a horrible crime because they are dealing, they are detailing her mental health issues during the events. Crime is not always black and white. No, I'm, you're absolutely right. And listen, that is something that has been kind of consistent with the MCU. If you even go to Thanos, right? Like Thanos wasn't an issue of mental health, but Thanos, <clears throat> even though he is evil, Endgame made that very clear. But if you just look at Infinity War, Thanos is a guy who thought he was trying to save the universe. He just happened to think that the only way to save the universe was by wiping half of it out. That's the only way he thought he could save the universe. What, uh, the MCU has done a good job recently of showing that, you know, the, the line of good guy and bad guy isn't always clear. I mean, they've done that for a while. Look at Loki, right? The line of good guy and bad guy isn't always clear. And when you look at something like Wanda Maximoff and what grief has driven her to, again, it does not excuse it. You can't take 3,000 people hostage and hijack their lives and keep them in a constant state of mental pain and prisoner against their will and just be excused because you have had it tough lately. But they're showing that it's more nuanced than that. And so we as the audience feel a lot of empathy for Wanda. Yeah, she's in the midst of doing really evil things. But it doesn't come from a place of her being evil. And they've done a really good highlighting that out of this world. So it's a, it's a really good observation. All right, next up. Uh, Bradley Alonzo writes, The fact that Agatha is saying Wanda is a witch... Maybe Magneto shows up at the end and says, she's not a witch, she's a mutant. She's my daughter. I, I mean, they could. You know, right at the beginning, I said, you know, uh, Professor Xavier showing up, even though I don't think they're going to do anything with mutants in X-Men. And yet at the same time, I thought Magneto and Charles Xavier might show up. Again, just talking about earth-shattering cameos that could happen. Uh, yeah, th that could still happen. I mean, and it could even be Michael Fassbender or Ian McKellen could literally show up in this thing. And, and do it. is that possible? It's possible. 
I just think it's very unlikely because, again, of what Kevin Feige said about already having a five-year plan. He's not bringing mutants in yet. But it would shake the world. Like, if this thing's about to end because Wanda has lost Vision again and lost her kids again, and lost her kids for the first time, and lost Vision again, and she just breaks, and she's about literally, literally about to tear the world in half. And, like, Magneto shows up. Says, that is my daughter, or something like that. I mean, it would, the internet would break. The internet would completely break. I don't think that's where they're going, but it, it there's no denying, man, that would totally break the internet. All right, Ryan Griffin writes, Hey, John, because of COVID, I lost my job. Dude, that sucks. I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, it's okay. I didn't really like it. But now I deliver for almighty Amazon. Thank Thanos. Your shows are two to three hours long because in a van alone for 10 hours makes my head go crazy. So it's nice just to hear another voice. Well, dude, listen, I am so glad you were able to pick up another gig. I mean, you know, my wife Anne worked with Amazon for about a year until starting her new job with Apple. Um, and so I'm so grateful that you've got that. And Hey man, it is an honor and a privilege for me, man, to know that I get to ride along with you for those hours and you spend some of that time with us here. So I'm glad we're here for you and I hope we're able to continue to be here for you and good luck with the new job, man. And I'm glad you got a new gig. That's great. All right. Next up. Uh, Tony Rodriguez writes, WandaVision 9 prediction. Where do we go? There we are. WandaVision 9 prediction. Uh, Vision dies again at the hands of Spectral Vision. Agnes goes on to Doctor Strange 2. Mr. Scratch revealed in a shadow voice by Mark Hamill, which would be Nightmare. Uh, Doctor Strange appears in a big fight scene. The engineer is a Skrull. Teen kids are in the movie. That's a lot. I mean, they. my understanding is this thing's going to be under an hour long. There's a lot, a lot of ground they still have to cover. There is a lot of ground that is still yet to be covered here. Uh, so maybe they're doing that. Maybe they are. But there's a lot of, lot of different predictions in there, man. I think Vision dies at the hand of Wanda. Adding to the tragedy and kind of an echo of the fact that he had to die at her hands once already. In Infinity War. When she blew up the Mind Stone only to have it undone by Thanos. I think they might have another thing like that. But maybe he dies at the hand of the new Vision. I don't know. We'll see. A lot of things to discover, Tony. A lot of things to discover. And we are only 50 plus hours away. All right. The Nerd Errant writes. John, you misread my last comment. I explicitly included Vision dying again when I say the events of Westview will likely be covered up. Otherwise, including him in the Far From Home montage would actually have a huge asterisk. Oh, I see what you're saying. Or some kids going, well, actually, okay, I see what you're saying there. Um, yeah, I mean, look. Will the events of Westview probably be covered up? Probably. I mean, look. Right now, the way Wanda has done this whole thing is not only did she hijack the lives of everybody in the Hex, but according to Episode 4, although they were never really clear how this works, but according to Episode 4, people outside of the Hex, within a certain perimeter, aren't even aware that Westview exists right now. So really, covering up the events of Westview would not be the toughest thing in the world for the government to do would not be the toughest thing in the world for them to do. Is that what they're going to say happens? Depends. If everybody in the Hex remembers what Wanda did to them, it's going to be hard to keep covered up. Unless they do a men in black, you know, look into this thing. Which is possible too. So anyway, thanks for writing that in, Nerd Aaron, and, and uh, clarifying that. I appreciate that, man. All right, next up. 
Andrew Al, uh, Alcock writes, Hey, John. So here's my theory on why this could be Fox's Quicksilver without Feige going back on what he said. Okay. Feige said in 2018 or 2019, no X-Men for five years. Endgame took place five years post-snap or 2023, same year as WandaVision. Sneaky Feige. Uh, I don't believe that, Andrew. I don't, I don't. No, look. When Feige said, I've got the next five years planned out, we already knew that those plans were well beyond Endgame. We already knew the plans he had. So no, that look again, I think Kevin Feige is human, which means Kevin Feige can just straight up change his mind. Kevin Feige can straight up change his mind and say, yeah, I said three years ago that it's, we're going to get through the full five-year plan first, but I decided to accelerate things a bit. That could happen. I haven't seen any reason to believe that's what he's done, but it is possible. So while I expect WandaVision episode nine to end with no mention of mutants or anything like that, I will not fall out of my chair in shock and surprise if they do. It'll be a little unexpected. I'll be a little bit surprised because I really thought, you know, Feige would wait the five years. But hey, if they don't, I know that this is a possibility. So, but I don't think he was playing semantics with time in the movie universe and the five-year gap. I don't think, I don't think that's what he was talking about. But who knows, Andrew? Maybe we'll see. Maybe we'll see. All right, next up. Uh, Carter Hart's Waterboy writes, Hey, John, what if at the end of episode nine, Pietro limps over to Wanda and in tears says, your brother too was a great speedster. I deeply regret your loss and I offer myself as your new brother. That's a little bit of Eric Roberts's best of the best starring James Earl Jones. Uh, Wanda breaks down in tears. They embrace. You get the reference. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's one of the greatest moments in film cinematic history, my friend. The scene at the end of the best of the best as James Earl Jones's Taekwondo U.S. national team lines up in defeat, having lost to the Korean team. And the Koreans get the gold medals and Dae Han, the big bad guy, if you will, Dae Han beaten and broken limps across the aisle from the team Korea side, takes off his gold medal, puts it onto Tommy of the American team, says, I deeply regret the loss of your brother and I offer myself as your new brother. Ha <laughs> ha! Chills, ladies and gentlemen. Chills, hair standing up on the arm. One of the greatest scenes in cinematic history. And most of you have never even seen Best of the Best. Shame on you. Shame on you. Yeah, I get it. I get the... Oh, God, I would love that. That's a great reference. All right. Carter Hart's Waterboy also writes, I recently showed my wife Tombstone. Good on you, man. And she really liked it. I think the Academy really missed the boat with this movie. And that Russell, Michael Bean, and Val Kilmer all should have at least earned Golden Globe nominations. I don't care about Golden Globe nominations. Do you agree or I'm a biased fan? Well, listen, here's the thing. Whenever you talk about Oscar, and who gives a shit about the Golden Globes? Whenever you talk about the Oscars, it's not just, wow, that person was great in that movie. They should have gotten an Academy Award. Well, it's, it's not about whether you do something that earns an Academy Award. You got to do that, and then you have to look at who else was nominated. And if other people were even better that year, and you go, okay, who do you bump off that list? Then it becomes a little bit more tricky. So I can't remember off the top of my head um, who was nominated that year for, you know, best actor, best supporting actor. I can't remember that off the top of my head. But listen, that is a classic. It's great. I love that movie. Uh, maybe Val Kilmer's finest moment, aside from being Iceman in uh, Top Gun, but... Uh, yeah, I love that one. Good on you, Carter. All right, next up. 
Carter also writes, I think you mentioned John Carter suffered from some of the worst marketing ever. Absolutely, it did. Although 30 plus years ago, do you think Best of the Best also suffered from bad marketing? Not a great movie, but enjoyable and certainly had potential to make good money. Uh, no. At, at, look, when you go back to the era the Best of the Best came out, it seemed like one of the the just run-of-the-mill, crank them out of the thing. They're, it's so ridiculous. No. Here's the thing. John Carter should have been one of the new, true, great sci-fi movies, beloved sci-fi movies, and franchises. It was made to be a franchise. but And they made a great movie. Andrew Stanton, who directed John Carter, uh, did a great job making that movie. It was whimsical and wondrous sci-fi, and it was just, it was a great movie. Like, one of the all-time greats? No, but it was a great movie. But they botched the marketing on it so badly. So badly. Nobody knew what the hell it was. Nobody knew what they'd be getting into if they went to go see it. They changed it from John Carter of Mars to John Carter. It's like, okay, I don't know. What's this? Is this movie about a dentist? You know, I mean, I don't know, right? It was really rough. But no, I, I don't put that in the same category of best of the best, unfortunately, Carter. All right. Next up. Uh, and this is the final one of the day. And then we are all caught up, guys. We are completely caught up on the on the submitted viewer questions. Carter writes, Dennis Hopper voice. Pop quiz, hot shot. Later this summer, the U.S.-Canada border reopens. And the Maple Leafs win the Stanley Cup, resulting in a parade in Toronto. Do you fly to Canada and Ted? Oh, of course I do. Of course I do. Look, I don't talk much hockey on this channel, because I know most of you don't know much about hockey or care mu much about hockey. That's the more important one. I know most of you don't care much about hockey, so I really don't mention hockey much. I'm a big sports fan, but my I, um, I if I were to cut my arm right now, blue would come out. Maple leaf blue would come out. I bleed blue and white. I love the Toronto Maple Leafs. I mean, it's, I mean, right from my, like, youngest childhood, I remember... Me and, and one of my neighborhood best friends, like there was in my neighborhood, we had me, Chris Shafford, uh, Justin Brownlee, uh, uh, my, one of my best friends going into high school years and everything. Brendan is the one who's the one that passed away. But as a little kid, also right up the street, one of my best friends, Aggie Cabral and like me and Aggie Cabral every night that the Toronto Maple Leafs were playing. First of all, we would play Toronto Maple Leafs in our basement. So, okay, yeah, like the door would be the net and we'd play. And then we'd call each other on the phone. Like whenever the Leafs were playing, we'd get each other on the phone. Did you see that goal? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was like it's everything. And in my entire lifetime, the Toronto Maple Leafs have never even been to the Stanley Cup Finals. In my entire life on this earth, the Toronto Maple Leafs have never even been to the Stanley Cup Finals, let alone won the Stanley Cup. So if you're asking me if the borders were open and, you know, all the COVID stuff is in mostly in our rearview mirror, would I fly to Canada to be at that parade? Oh, hell yes. Hell, I may take out a second mortgage on my house to get tickets to one of those Stanley Cup final games if the Toronto Maple Leafs were in the finals. I'd probably fly anywhere in the world. I'd sell everything. I'd sell every hot toy, pop, camera, microphone, whatever that I have to, to get a ticket to one of those games and fly to one of those games. So yes, I would definitely do that. All right, guys, that'll do it for this installment of the companion videos. And we are now actually all caught up on all the questions. When you watch the John Campy show tomorrow, it's actually going to be all brand new questions have been sent in. How about that? We actually got caught up. Anyway, 
Thank you to all of you who took some time to watch this show. And thank you especially to all you guys who sent in those questions. Number one, because you gave us great fun things to talk about. But number two, you supported this channel as you did. And all of us involved with the John Campy YouTube channel, thank you very, very much for that support. All right, guys, remember to do the four main things. Stay smart, stay safe, take care of yourselves, and take care of the people around you. That'll do it for me, guys. So until tomorrow's John Campia show, my name's John Campia. And until then, bye-bye.